Kia ora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. So it's a great honor for me to serve you this way in bringing the word this morning. And I do want to just thank um, Pastor Ta'ulu and Rowena for the opportunity to share on a topic that I am very passionate about. And even though they're a couple of my best friends, um, you know, I do submit under their leadership and, and I don't take this opportunity lightly. Um, so yeah, I've really been praying that God will um, speak to us in a way that only he can and in a way that we really need. Um, God's so good like that. And um, as Ulu said, they did a great job last week talking about godly leadership and mutual submission um, in marriage, but it wasn't a message limited to singles, as Ulu said. So um, that's what I'm talking about today. Part two uh, of the Vow series, and I've entitled it Purity Unveiled. And um, you know what, when it comes to relationships, God's purpose for us and his faithfulness can look very different from person to person. Um, Similarly to last week's message, today's a message that's not just for single people. You might hear the um, title and think, oh yeah, don't need that. Uh, been there, done that, or been there, flunked that. Um, But yeah, what I want to talk about today is less about where you've been and more about where you're going, because purity is key when it comes to where you're going with God. Um, And so regardless of your marital status today, what we all have in common is a God who wants a covenant with you and I. Genesis 17.7 says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants Uh, between me and you and your descendants after you. The covenant promise echoes throughout scripture right up until Revelation 21, when we hear it again, I will be your God and you will be my people. So we serve a covenant God. And a covenant is a promise of love. Um, It's a pledge of commitment and it's a vow. But what makes God's vow or covenant neck level is it's an eternal vow. Um, God's covenant with us is the only vow or covenant that carries right on into eternity. There is actually no marriage in heaven. Um, There is one marriage though, sorry. So we are all one family in heaven worshiping God, um, but there is only one marriage between God and his people. And so we're blessed. We are so blessed to have an opportunity on earth to have this covenant with God. And for those that already have it, we know that no one's perfect at it um, and that we all need to be encouraged in it. Um, And for those that don't have a covenant with God today, I pray that God will show you just how much he wants a covenant with you. Um, Yeah, but when it comes to covenant on earth with God, a revelation of purity is a game changer. Cool. Everyone say, all out war. All out war. Since the genesis of time, there has been an all out war for your purity. It started in the Garden of Eden, and it continues in the Garden of wherever you live today. 
Somehow Satan, the stake, knew that if he could get Adam and Eve to disobey God, they would defile themselves and Satan would succeed at disqualifying them from what God created people to do. And so what did God create man to do? Let's look at that. Genesis 1:28. This is called the dominion mandate for those of you that don't know. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over every living thing. I love those last words. Have dominion over every living thing. Adam and Eve had dominion over every living thing, but somehow it, had, it got dominion over them. Last week, um, Rowena gave us the definition to submit, which is a, mil- a military term meaning to come under one's place or under one's leadership. Um, subdue uh, in Hebrew is kabash, which is also a military term, and it speaks of bringing enemies un- in battle under control. So when God said to Adam and Eve, subdue the earth, well, to, yeah, when God declared the dominion mandate, he foresaw that uh, the war was going to be on Adam and Eve's purity, and he knew that something harsh was in the nature of the earth, and that would lead them to death if it wasn't subdued. And, you know, when I think about that, I hear God saying, um, even in our present day, subdue the enemy or he will subdue you. Um, You know, so there's an all-out war for your purity. Um, For the last few months, I have been uh, working with some high school students, just serving as a mentor for a creative program, a competition that's happening out in the community. Um, And in my brief time with them, the experience has been like uh, taking a bucket of cold water to my Christianity, like a major, major reality check. regarding the war that young people face today. And so, you know, it's life, right? Like, um, we know that there's a dark world out there, but when you're sitting face to face with 14 to seven year old girls um, and hearing stories that are explicit about adult themes, um, you can see spiritually that they are being subdued and it's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking. That's the kind of world we live in. So that has reminded me that um, purity is still Satan's favorite target um, and this is why. In Matthew 5, Jesus was at the top of a mountain preaching his first recorded sermon to the disciples, and the Bible says there was a great multitude nearby. Um, And what was that called? What's this called? Does anyone know? The Sermon on the Mount. And here, Jesus gives a long discourse or a long talk on what devotion to God really looks like um, and also what man really needs. And some scholars say that this um, Sermon on the Mount lasted for days. Um, And so Jesus kicks it off with the Beatitudes. Beatitude means blessedness or blessing. And the Beatitudes is a list of eight qualities that characterize life in God's kingdom and the blessings that come with it. And you might, some might be familiar to you, like um, uh, 
Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So there's eight. And I think it's number five. But um, one of the Beatitudes is the only time that you will ever hear pure or purity from the mouth of Jesus when we think about the red letters in the Bible. And this is what it says in verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So this is a loaded truth statement right there, flowing from the mouth of the Son of God. Um, Jesus is declaring that if you are pure in your heart, you will be blessed with the ability to see God um, in part on earth and fully in heaven. And um, so this is why the, the war on purity. From the beginning, Satan wanted you and I to be blind to who God is because every single one of us has a mighty purpose in him. Um, the mind of the snake would say, I was getting in, trying to get into the mind of the snake, if I can defile your heart, you will not be able to recognize God. I'll have you stumbling around in the dark and you won't ever be able to find your way out to fulfill God's purpose for your life on earth. The main way our heart is defiled is through trauma. Um, earlier on this week, I was in Wellington spending time with my dad. He turned 69. Um, and many of you know my story. Went through a really traumatizing divorce when I was 12. Um, and I've, you know, after many years of looking back and reconnecting with my mother, um, I've realized that it was traumatizing for everyone involved, including her. But no one was impacted more than my dad. He just, she was everything to him. Um, and so, fast forward about 10 years ago, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and for those of you who don't know, it's just when your brain cells are dying and slowly, and you're losing your memory, and I remember he, he moved up to Auckland and stayed with me for a time, and... Um, to learn a bit more about his condition, I went to Alzheimer, Alzheimer classes at night. And um, I was really curious, you know, about the cause of it. And so uh, the person that I had spoken to that night said, it can be one of two things that causes it. It could be just poor health habits over a long period of time, or you may have a, a, some kind of gene or a propensity towards that, but trauma is what will set it off. Has your father been through any trauma? I knew straight away what it was. Um, you know, the snake knows uh, that the way to stop God's blessing in our life is to incite a curse. And so he will do something in your life to set off trauma. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's huge. Um, but I do just want to say before like, I carry on further, in case you've never heard it before, let's be clear, we were born sinners. Um, Adam and Eve began the snowball of sin in humanity, but Psalm 51 says we were all born sinful. I had this massive revelation um, years ago. I think I text Wayne's about it. I used to blame the work of evil uh, in my life based on that one incident, the bad things that happened to me, um, until God showed me years later, not even that long ago, that I was a sinner long before those events 
ever took place. So, um, you know, it's not, to, it's not to dilute anything that you've been through, but it is just to say that um, we were born sinners and then what the snake does is he tries to heap on sin through trauma. Um, and it's so powerful because when you've experienced trauma in your heart, it opens the way to offense, to resentment, to bitterness, to hate, all kinds of darkness, and that's what defiles our hearts. The Bible talks about um, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out. Um, and so Satan's clever, right? You know, He um, instigates trauma in our lives. We take the focus on the fact that he did it. We put the focus on someone else who's born just as sinful as we are. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that, just to be mindful of that, that this is why the war on purity, a defiled heart is um, spiritually blind to God and void of purpose, and you know, that's what the enemy wants. And that's why forgiveness is so powerful, um, because it exposes the enemy, one, but then you walk away with a pure heart. Um, and nothing's stopping you. And when I was 13, maybe about a year after the separation, my dad and I, um, like wounded soldiers, we went to uh, an Elam Christian service, um, and both of us responded to an altar call that day. We both gave our hearts to Jesus, got baptized together. Um, you know, we were just so broken at the time, and Jesus came at the right time. But um, in saying that we would continue to stumble around in the dark, uh, for many years later, and one of the main reasons was because we just allowed our hearts to be defiled by bitterness, you know, couldn't let it go. And so I just want to encourage you today, don't let that happen to you. Don't give the enemy another day. Forgive and let it go. Um, you know, Satan isn't scared of people who attend church. He's, a, he's scared of a pure-hearted people that can see their God and the blessings that are coming to them. Cool? Okay, so... Word on the street, God's definition versus man's definition. Um, so it's been said that a, de a generation can be defined by their music. Even our um, Every Nation movement leader, Steve Merrill, Pastor Steve Merrill, acknowledges that the power of music um, is, yeah, it's, it's the power to, um, acknowledges the power of music for making generational impact. Um, some of, a lot of you might know that we've been doing some songwriting of late, and this is why. Um, and his quote is, church movements aren't sustained by preaching and writing alone, but by music and art that communicate the vision of a movement. So music communicates the vision of a movement. And so I was really curious. I was like, man, I wonder what's going on in popular music these days. <clears throat> There, this is the top 10 iTunes downloads of last week in the States, a country that seems to lead out trends, especially when it comes to popular music. And we're going to pop up a list there of the top 10 songs. And um, some of the titles are pretty self-explanatory about what's going on in the culture and what the vision of the generation looks like out there. Um, in My Feelings, Kiki, Do You Love Me by Drake, uh, God is a Woman, by Ariana Grande, Girls Like You by Maroon 5, I Like It by Cardi B. Uh, her line and her thing is spicy, mommy, hot tamale. <laughs> 
jumpsuit by 21 Pilots. I didn't even know the song, so some of them I had to look up um, just to get an idea of what they were talking about. And the opening line is, I can't believe how much I hate. Um, I'm going to skip number six for now. Uh, number seven, Desperate Man, uh, Eric Church. Ironically, his line is, strolled across the devil's hot coals. Um, in my feelings, again, I'm not too sure why it's up there twice, but it must be that popular, simple. The, one of the lines in there is, the way your fingers fit mine, and then I just couldn't carry on reading. <laughs> and then number 10 is better now. And so I laughed when I was looking at, because the, the one of the lines in the song is, woulda gave anything, woulda gave everything. So I think the girlfriend's left him. Um, but He's obviously better now. <laughs> cool. So we can look, can we look at popular music to define or encourage purity? That's the question I want to pose. Number six, this is cool. Number six, um, You Say, is a song by a contemporary Christian artist. And I just want to read out the first, um, what do you call it, verse of her song. Um, it says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and low? Remind me once again who I am because I need to know. Uh, and then the, the key hook in her um, song is, in you I find my worth, in you I find my identity. I feel like this is like a picture of the world, right? Um, it's hard to stand out, but... There, we are in there, you know, like God's people is in there, and the truth is in there as long as we are in there. Um, and so, you know, I just want to just encourage those of you that are in the marketplace that love God, that you are a light wherever you are. Um, yeah, we live in a world saturated by a culture that glamorizes lust, and so we need game changers and culture reformers. Um, and I know Malaya's about to kick off a group around that, so just get in touch with her if, if this is something that interests you and if you feel like you're called to this area. But um, you know what? If we're not clear and confident about who we are in God, we will make big decisions based on what's popular. And um, yeah, I just wanted to share a little story. I made a mistake in this area a few years ago. A friend of mine, a friend of mine in Marina's, um, invited me to his church. Some of you know Zane. And um, he was having a, an evening at his church, and it was a panel discussion for the church, and it was called Love, Sex, and Dating. And so he asked me to be on the panel, and uh, I just said, oh, what's involved? And he said, oh, you'll probably need to field questions, um, and you'll probably have to delve into your personal story. And I was like, oh. And so what was going on in my head, I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm single. I've been single my whole life. I'm almost 40. Um, and so I declined. I just said, oh, you know what? Um, now I'm gonna, and so I declined. Um, and if I was to be honest, looking back then, I didn't want to do it because the life that I was, or you know, the path that I've chosen wasn't popular. And it sounds ridiculous, I know. It's in a room full of Christians, for crying out loud. But, um, but you know what? Sometimes uh, worldviews outside can come into the church. 
And um, purity is not something that is celebrated widely, even in the church sometimes. And, and I, I don't think anyone intends it to be that way, but I just want to encourage us to... Um, to be champ, to encourage someone. If you know someone that's single and encourage them, because um, the only if 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 it's if purity is celebrated, more people will be doing it. Um, yeah, and so um, sometimes external pressure makes us bend into something we're not. Apostle Peter did it. It's in our nature to blend in if we don't want to stand out. But purity calls for a stand against the high tide of popular culture. Cool. Everyone say, ignorance is not bliss. Yeah, I can't, I can't stand the other, the other version. The Bible warns us against ignorance. Um, in Hosea, God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Even Jesus, while hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them for their ignorance. Um, and so it's so important that we as the church have an accurate definition of what purity is. And so I asked some friends, I just um, hit them up online um, and asked them for their take on purity. No one in our church, um, one of them isn't even a Christian, um, but I just asked for some definitions. And so this is what I got. Uh, a female high school student said, purity is the absence of malice and evil. A male teacher, he's a teacher trainee, said, purity is abstaining from things in the physical world to sustain the soul and spirit for yourself and not against yourself. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and um, a female news presenter friend of mine said, uh, purity is not a restrictive value, but a beautiful characteristic of God, and we can never achieve absolute purity. Some good answers. Um, and yeah, I don't know, you know, if I asked you, how would you define it? Um, we're gonna look at the definition. In the Bible, New Testament, purity is the Greek word hegnea, which, is, which means sinlessness of life. I love word studies because um, you can just really go much deeper and look into, it can really reveal the heart of what the word means if you go deeper. And so um, I would just encourage you, if you're looking for a meaning of a word, see if you can find a root word for it um, of where it originated from. The root word for hagnea is hagios. And hagios um, means set apart for God, exclusively his, clean, holy, sinless, and exciting rever reverence. And what we can gather from the definitions is that our behavior is in relation to our sense of belonging or purpose. Um, so based on the definitions that we've got there, this is what the purity definition that I've come up with based on these meanings. Purity is a sinless life because you are holy and set apart for God, clean and exclusively his, sinless with an ex exciting reverence for God. That's what purity is. Um, and I just when I was, I was looking at it, 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 this image of a tree, and it reminded me of Isaiah 61, where it says, um, 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison gates to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's what purity is for. Um, and this is the only passage of scripture that I've memorized because I needed to remind myself constantly, wh why, why have you called me? Why have you filled me? What am I here for? So, you know, it's a great passage and I'd encourage you to do that as well. Um, okay, so you might hear sinless life and think, okay, well, that's not me. Okay, mate, it's none of us. <laughs> So don't worry, it's none of us. Um, but the Bible says, because the Bible says we have all fallen short of God's glory. Jesus is the only one who was righteous and sinless. But at the cross that day at Calvary, this is the amazing thing that Jesus did. Jesus took our sin upon himself and gave us his righteousness, his purity. And this is the most incredible, indescribable act of sacrificial love that will ever exist. There will never be love greater than this. Um, Isaiah 1.18 says, though your sins were as scarlet, they are white as snow. So Jesus was and is purity, and he gave that gift to us freely. And so how can you not accept that, right? Um, so, you know, Jesus is the one who lived a sinless life for 33 years on earth. He was crucified. Death couldn't hold him down. He rose three days later from the dead, is now seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. That's what the word says. And because of Jesus, the precious third person of the Holy Trinity could be released to us, the Holy Spirit. Um, and like what I love when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, if you believe that, if you believe the truth, if you believe what I just said, whatever sin you've committed, Jesus has made you pure. And the Holy Spirit is what keeps you pure. Okay? Um, so that's good news, eh? Yeah. Okay, cool. So in one fell swoop, Jesus traded places with us and blessed us with the gift of his purity. Um, and that's why we worship him. That's why we were worshiping him this morning. Uh, and we're so grateful for that. Okay, faithful and true. Um, at the finished work of the cross, God reinstated the dominion mandate. We could now, we now had the power to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue it and to take dominion. God has a specific purpose for every single one of us sitting here today. I don't know what brought you here today. I don't know where you feel you're at with God, but God has a purpose for you. And you are not just here. None of us are here just biding time. If Jesus was just about saving you, then the minute you got saved, you would have gone to heaven. We're still here um, because we've got something to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork. The original word for that, I love this verse because the original word for handiwork is poem. Um, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has good works 
for you to do. That's why we're still here. Uh, you and I have a high calling in Christ, not a medium one, not a mediocre one. There was nothing mediocre about the cross. You have a high calling, and God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we would have the capacity to do his perfect will for our lives. Um, and so just as I was preparing, I was kind of like, okay, cool, I've got, sort of know where I'm going. And then I just felt like God just sort of turned me in another direction as I started to think a lot about the vessel. And God gave me two pictures of a vessel that I just want to look at. Um, and I think would just give us a lot of insight um, on, on, on this and on purity. Okay, so everyone say quality of life. Okay, purity determines your quality of life. Not perfection, but purity. And I know that's a strong statement to make. But I just want to show you um, this through, firstly, um, a vessel in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. Um, and Daniel, for those that don't know, means God is my judge. And so we enter the story uh, in the nation of Babylon, a powerful country with a long uh, line of powerful kings. If you've got your Bibles um, on your phone or if you've brought it, if we can please have a look at Daniel 5. When we meet the last king, King Belshazzar, who one night decides to throw a mean as party. Verse one to four, I think this is the NIV that I'm reading from. Um, Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, a king before him, Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He, Belshazzar, wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, his concubines. So they brought out the gold cups taken from the temple, which is the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols and made, uh, they praised their idols made of gold, excuse me, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So these cups and vessels that we read about were stolen from the house of God many years before by a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, when he conquered Judah. Um, But now the vessels were being used for an unholy purpose. And you can read the rest of the story yourself, but um, basically God deals with Belshazzar um, in a a scary way. And uh, the picture for me, just as I was reading this and and looking at this, God created every single vessel that belongs to him to be set apart. We remember that definition before, set apart for holy purposes only. Um, The gift of purity is not something to be trifled with. And God um, takes the abuse of our vessels very seriously. I know that we've been talking about heart a lot, but um, your sexual purity, whether you're single or you're married, um, is serious stuff to God. And the Bible says, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning that we are carriers of his presence? That's why we need to... uh, come before God humbly and and, and continually ask him to purify our vessels because we need it daily. Um, We don't want to reduce purity to just things of a sexual nature, but we don't want to disregard it either. It's It's all important. 
It's the, the heart, God looks at the heart, but he does see it all. Cool. So I turned 42 earlier this week um, and have been journeying this thing with purity, um, or this thing of purity with God for a long time. And I know to someone on the outside, um, so I can imagine some might look and think that I have failed in life or that, you know, by this time you should be married with kids, right? You know, it's th- there's a norm there that we're like... Um, that we know exist, and I, I think even as we're, we're um, coming out of our teens and our twenties, we have this goal: I'm going to be married by this age. And yeah, then it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and most people want things to happen in a, at a specific time, and I get it. But culturally, and even culturally, sorry, our parents can be on our case about it. Every time I go and see my mum, she's like, "Where's my babies?" Um, you know, I get it. But ultimately, God is God, right? And our lives happen on God's watch and we have to be at peace with his timing and trust that it lines up with his divine purpose because only God knows the divine purpose that is for you. Your parents don't know, your friends don't know, your pastors don't know, no one knows, only God knows. Um, And if you go with anyone else's definition, you will soon find yourself in a situation where your purpose is being used for something that God had not intended. Um, Everyone say killjoy. Killjoy. (laughs) God is not a killjoy. Um, For those of us that might be struggling with waiting or purity, God doesn't want to kill your joy. He wants to fulfill it. Um, John 15, 11 says, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy would be wholly mature. Okay, so funny story, Um, when my dad was staying in Auckland at a rest home, I went to visit him one time, and um, we were sitting there watching television, and so this older lady, like, walks in, and she's just, like, eyeballing my dad and me, and then she goes, get your hands off my husband. (laughs) I was like, what? This, like, little, like, old white lady, And um, and I was like, Sorry? And she goes, get your hands off my husband. And I was like, oh, honestly, man, I, I was just gonna, I was about to go crazy. I really was. And then, um, and so I was about to go at her, and my dad knows me. Uh, and I was like, excuse me? And then I just felt a tap, like, on my, le- on my leg, and it was my dad. And he was kind of telling me, like, just calm, calm down, calm down. It's okay, it's okay. And so I was like, oh, okay. Or, you know, maybe he, he understands she's got Alzheimer's too. <laughs> And then she comes and grabs his hand and they walk off. And I was like, God, that's not, what the heck, that's not fair. Like, my dad is almost 70 in a rest home with Alzheimer's and he's still getting more action than me. (laughs) Oh man, it was just, it was safe, but this is them. That's um, Ken and Mary. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. But um, yeah, God didn't come to kill your joy. If you're wondering when, where is, when is my action coming, God's gonna fulfill your joy. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I've got for you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but honestly, like jokes aside, um, His joy 
is my joy. And I can't even, I can't even explain like um, how faithful God has been to me over the years. And um, I've never been without lack. Like love with God is so satisfying. And I honestly wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, to be honest, I think my, God's always trying to convince me to get to want marriage because I'm like, God, you, you do it for me. You're so faithful. You're so good to me. You never fail me. You provide for me. And um, there is just this place uh, of intimacy with God. It just gets better and better. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, there's, there's nothing like it. And, um, you know, people will ask me, like, why are you still single? How long? How have you, how have you been able to wait this long? Um, and yeah, just for me, God is everything. He really is. And you know, I trust His bigger plan, and I trust what He desires for me. Um, I wasn't going to share this, but like God gave me a promise years ago, and I shared it with a friend like not long ago, um, in Daniel 12, where it says, you know, at the end of this time, you will stand to receive your reward. And that's my promise. And so what I love is that that promise could be here or it's in heaven, but I've got a reward coming. And so, you know, we need to find in the word, ask, talk to God about what's going on in your heart and ask him to speak to you so that you've got a word to stand on because his word has been sufficient for me. Um, so you can depend on God for purity and to fulfill your deepest desires. Okay, true. <sighs> Jesus thorough. Um, So earlier we heard about eight Beatitudes. In Matthew 23, um, Jesus gives us eight warnings. So we had eight Beatitudes of blessing. Now we've got eight warnings that we're going to look at. And again, this is the second vessel. Um, And Jesus is speaking to his disciples and the crowds. And then he turns and he starts to speak harshly to the religious leaders of the day. Um, People that claim to be followers of God, um, but their hearts told a completely different story. Um, And so we're reading from Matthew 23, verse 24 to 26. Cool. You blind guides. You strain a gnat, but swallow a camel. I will come back and explain that. Woe to you. Woe to you in modern vernacular is good luck to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees. That word blind again. First wash the inside and then the outside will become clean too. So here, Jesus is rebuking the Christian who says one thing, but does another. They do everything to look perfect on the outside, but the heart is not clean. Um, In verse 24, that um, strain the gnat and swallow the camel. Um, A gnat is like an insect, and when I was looking it up, uh, straining a gnat is a process for purifying water, and so I just imagine it's like you've got water, the the bug comes in, you clean it out, you know, it's just like monitoring this little thing. Um, So you're not willing to, you don't, you're not willing to swallow the gnat, but you are willing to swallow a camel, and so the idea of just that phrase there is you focus on the small things, but you forget the larger things, and um, this is the sin of hypocrisy. And God hates it. Um, God doesn't hate the hypocrite, but he hates hypocrisy. 
And God warns of condemnation to those who live like this. And um, I know this cup the most because this was me. And this actually is me um, when I'm not daily asking the Holy Spirit to examine my heart and to purify me. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, again, the the divorce was very traumatic uh, in my life growing up, and that just opened a floodgate of fears, uh, fear of loss, fear of love. Um, I just had it in my head. I just became cynical about love, and I thought, man, even the greatest relationship, because my parents had a great relationship, is doomed to failure. And so I lived with that fear, and for the first, prior to coming to Christ, that was the driving lie in my head. And so I made some decisions. I was like, I'm not going to make the mistakes that my parents made, internally judging them for the way that I felt they had failed me. Um, And I just made these vows and and sort of declarations of how I was going to live. No guys, no drunkenness, no drugs. Um, And that was good enough for me. Um, and so I remember like coming into the church many years later, I was 26 when I came into this church. And um, yeah, I just, I, I came in thinking God and I were sweet. I came in thinking I've got a perfect record, like God will be so happy with me. And self-righteousness, uh, yeah, it's like stretching a rubber band as far as you can go. Sorry, as far as you can go, um, it's bound to hit you in the face. Um, and so that day I walked into church and the rubber band hit me in the face. <laughs> and um, yeah, with this verse is what I heard that day. Romans 10, 2. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Um, For those of you who are here, you might need to hear what I heard that day, that your sacrifices or the good things that you do will never compensate for your lack of obedience. Um, you know, God wants our whole heart and he doesn't want us to be obsessed with behavior management. He wants us to be attentive to behavior motivation. Motive is everything. And so, um, yeah, you know, self-righteousness is a real dangerous kind of pride because it, uh, sorry, a dangerous, yeah, a dangerous kind of pride because it's not easy to detect. And, um, you know, this year in particular, God, has been showing me so much of that in my life. I have, to be honest, have never like seen um, so much pride and God's just been really working at me. And um, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me one night that he wanted to teach me brokenness as a lifestyle, not as a one-time thing. Um, and when I say brokenness, sometimes we, we don't completely understand what that means. We think it's heartbroken. We think it's um, despair constantly, but that's not what brokenness is. True brokenness is the habit of having your pride shattered before God. Um, and so for me, the way I walk that out is just daily, daily hitting the floor, um, you know, yeah, daily hitting the floor and just um, asking God to uh, 
repenting of pride, asking God to show me, asking God to fill me. Um, but, but I need to do that every day to remind myself physically of my posture before God. And, and how I should walk. And so, um, you know, that's what purity looks like for me. Uh, as we look at the two different vessels, you might lean towards one more than the other, or, or yeah, maybe not. But um, purity starts in the heart. And begging God to deal with anything uh, that will offer him difficulty to use you in, in your life. Um, cool. Okay. Okay, so... We're almost done. The more. I really felt like God was, even though the message was about purity, I really felt that God wanted me to call us to abundant life in Christ. Um, John 10.10 says that Satan came to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Um, You know, God doesn't want us to be pure for purity's sake. Like anything difficult that God calls us to, it's for our protection and it's also for our benefit because there's something that he wants to bring as a result. He wants us to be pure, to open our eyes to who he is. Um, He wants us to be pure so that we can see our high calling in Christ. He wants us to achieve his highest dreams for us. Um, Yeah, so the only thing is, your high calling ain't going to happen short of you being a pure vessel for his holy power because God will not be mocked, right? So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage us in that way. You know, when I looked at that verse in John 10, I saw that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. I don't want just life right? I don't think anyone here wants just life. We want abundant life. I had a, 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 just a revelation a, maybe four years ago or three years ago, um, and I had seen a DVD, a Holy Spirit DVD, and I saw an interview, and it was so powerful, and it just made me really cry out to God, and because the, the picture that I had in my head was me going to heaven, and Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy, You could have had so much more than you got, but enter into my joy. I was like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, you got it all. You got everything that I had planned for you. And and so, you know, this this walk with God and this fight for our destiny is is, is a partnership. God's not going to do it on his own. You're not going to do it on your own. We need God in it. Um, Cool. And so just in closing, uh, one of my faith heroes... Um, Pastor Kendrew, that most of you know, well, many of you know, um, said it best to me as a younger Christian, and I've never forgotten it. Uh, he said, live by design, not by default. And um, through the highs and lows of life, and I've had, had some lows, I'm human, I've had some lows, um, you know, even in the weight, I've had some lows, but... Um, you know, through the highs and lows, that's what's kept me pushing for God's best and just not willing to sell my soul for a quarter. Um, and I am blessed to walk alongside many mighty women of God who I see sitting around here right now um, that are doing the same, and I'm sure brothers as well. So, yeah, let's be good stewards of the purity of our worship. Amen? Okay, cool. Thank you. I'm just going to pray for us.